Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week is one quarter of one of the most successful bands of the noughties, who's stepping up and trading in his guitar for a while for a frying pan on this year's Celebrity MasterChef. Born and raised in Bolton, he was a Bruce Springsteen-obsessed teenager when he met fellow guitarist Tom Fletcher at a frankly disastrous audition for a boy band that he ended up at by mistake. They became fast friends and after filling out their foursome with drummer Harry Judd and bass player Dougie Pointer via an ad in the NMA, McFly was formed and they fast became the youngest band ever to have had an album debut at number one, a record they swiped from the Beatles. Seven UK number one singles later, after several sold-out tours and even a few movie appearances over in the States, the boys pressed pause in 2015 and went their separate ways. Our man turned to solo work, took on an exciting role as a judge on The Voice Kids and even got closer to his other first love, football, playing semi-pro. But... We all knew they couldn't stay apart forever and McFly was soon back in action. First, as part of supergroup McBusted before dropping back into their classic four-piece, releasing a brand new album in 2020 and get this, playing their first ever Glastonbury this year, where they proved to be so popular, they closed down an entire field. Mic drop moment or what? Danny Jones is in the studio. Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, I learned a bit about myself there. <laughs> that was Did a great you? intro. Is that uh, yeah, totally forgot about that audition that I met Tom at. That was amazing. Well, that was you, one of the best moments of my life. You when know. you printed off the information, the second page hadn't printed, and on the second page it said, no guitarists. Well, what it was, it was a stage newspaper, ah. and the stage newspaper print was, was off like, ah, that one bad. day. So it, it, 
it looked like it was the boys ripped me. They were like, No, it wasn't. You had to come and dance in a boy band, didn't you? I was like, No, honestly, I swear it said looking for guitarists. I thought that, but it's it said obviously not, no guitarists, whatever. So when you got there, it was a load of muscle Marys kind of, you know, popping their abs, trying to limber up to do their dance routines because they were looking for an all singing, all dancing, back flipping boy band group. <laughs> Yeah, basically, I turn up there and there's a queue. And no one's got, no one's got a guitar, and it's a cold, wintry, grey day. And I'm like, Mum, this is like, what, what, what am I doing here? I love and that your mum took you. Yeah, I'm fresh, <laughs> I'm fresh out of college. No, I was fresh in my, what was I? Just about to go to college. Um, literally thinking I was Liam Gallagher. I had the Parker on. I had the long hair down the sides over my ears. You know the Paul Weller haircut. You know. You really did, didn't you? Oh, I loved it, and I, and it was, you know. My mum was like, look, it's universal music. Just as long as you, she wanted me, she was like my manager. She's like, just get in front of them and play for them. So it just shows, you know, like you just got to yeah. just do things and, and get in front of people. And this was one of those examples of like Tom seeing me and just going, mate, you're not right for this boy band. Because I had to dance. I had to dance for 15. You did. Oh, yeah. You did the dance. It, it was a room like this that we're in now. <laughs> there was a panel. And there was the management that Tom was signed to. Tom was filming, holding one of the cameras. So Tom was there working for a bit of cash on the side. He'd been signed as a songwriter to them. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So he'd been signed as a songwriter, filming this audition that I turned up to, <laughs> looking like I've just come out of uh, a, an Oasis cover band. And uh, <laughs> and there's a guy in a tracksuit next to me doing the... And Oh, that's what, that's what happened. I came into the room. They were like, right, okay... Um, just find a space on the floor. We're going to play some music and we're going to show, and, and you got to show us what you can do dance-wise, dance you know, your dance moves. And my mum, literally, I remember in the corner, laughing her head off. <laughs> and there was this, you know, I, I'm stood there going, uh, they've played this music and I've gone like, you know, like this, like looking around. And the guy next to me is going, do, 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 all this kind of stuff. <laughs> Honestly, my mum was on the floor. Um, so yeah, that video exists somewhere, believe it or not. Well, I saw footage of you arriving for the audition. You've got big Richard Ashcroft sunglasses on. <laughs> the hair is totally Gallagher. Yeah. Uh, you've got an anorak on, and you've got the sh you've got the the, the, the shuffle. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the shuffle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. One of the first songs I showed Tom, I played him a uh, bittersweet symphony, and I played him um, Mr. Writer by Stereophonics. And then they were like, oh, it's really good. You know, it's really good. But do you know any pop? And I said, oh, Paul Weller. And everyone laughed. Because <laughs> to me, that's what pop was, like a popular person. Yeah. I didn't know what pop was. And he took me to one side down the corridor. I was like, look, there's a Backstreet Boys song, you know. Tell me why ain't nothing but a heart. I was like, mate, what is that? It's amazing. <laughs> Come on. Did you not listen to the Backstreet Boys? No, my, I remember like my sister having posters on the wall of Brian. You know, uh, from the Backstreet Boys, whatever. And um, Brian. Never, never really like, <laughs> yeah, never really like taking it in because I was just in my own world, you know. But yeah, honestly, that, that day I was just like, okay, three minute pop songs are like, you know, quite addictive. Yeah. Well, this all takes me beautifully straight into my first question for you, which um, sits around that fateful day and destiny. Are you ready? Yes. Uh, we've covered the fact that you and Tom were kind of thrown together in the most auspicious of circumstances. Uh, he he literally could see that you were the proverbial fish out of water <laughs> as you did your dad dancing. Yes. And cited Paul Weller as pop. But he has since said that from that moment, because he was there covering 
it for the management company. Mm -hmm. We were trying to figure out what to do with him, right? He, yeah. he, they recognized that he had something, but they didn't quite know what to put with him or around him. And then he met you and he said, it was destiny. It was meant to be that the moment you two came together for him, that was it. You just clicked and everything yeah. made sense. And I wondered, A, if that was the same for you, and B, if you could talk me through when else destiny has intervened and crossed your path. Wow. The energy was amazing. Like, you know, we were so different and we were probably never met in any other world. But so my idol was uh, Bruce Springsteen and his was Brian Adams. And one of the first things we had, because I lived with his parents for quite a while. Did you? Yeah, I'll never forget. They had this most amazing cereal. And we used to, we used to get up in the morning. It was like Sainsbury's own chocolate curl crunch or something. <laughs> and we used to pair it with some grape, diluted grape, grapefruit cordial or something. Really weird, right? I love that what you say pair it. You can tell you you're in the middle of the market pair of experience, <laughs> can't you? We'd pair it with... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hey, where to where it's got to now. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, um, Did it come with a jus or a phone? <laughs> yeah. But it was incredible. And I'll never forget that that summer I spent down there. And he had a video of him as a kid on a chair singing Brian Adams. And I had the identical video of me doing it to Springsteen. And we were like, mate, like we're literally, you're the southern version of me. Um, but obviously he was um, into massively into his musical theatre. And I was obviously into my... Um, Blues, I was massively into blues at the time and I grew up on blues music and Springsteen and Tubular Bells and all that. Which are really quite odd musical references for a, a, a kid of your age at that time. It's not, you know, you would have had to seek that music out. It wasn't what everybody else at school was listening to, for sure. No, it was, a, do you know what? I felt quite proud of my uh, musical background, knowledge and what I knew. Because um, at the time, my uncle was... Um, a guitarist and he lived in Ireland and he used to take me out around all the pubs and my mum and that and my mum was a real kind of like you know she was pro like support the local open mic nights and we're gonna do it and there was this one one time there's sorry there's one place where we used to go it was called the Buskers Ball and for me as a teenager who was dying to play anywhere I could that gave me the confidence because at school music wasn't really a strong subjects like for me it was but like in terms of their they didn't put any you know money into it at all no. you know it was there was a class i think four of us took music and my music teacher didn't even know i play guitar you know that's how much they cared for it you know so wow. it was a bit of a disappointment so luckily i had the private guitar lessons you know thank thank you know my mum for that but that gave me the confidence I, I felt like i was this like i don't know i was in my own world with like playing and, and, and this open mic night gave me the confidence to sing at such a young age in a pub at like 11 p.m. at night. Obviously, I was always waking up at, you know, the next morning for school a bit like, I'm so tired, Bob. But <laughs> she knew she was doing the Cross right wide. thing, you know, yeah. Um, but what a great training ground for, I mean, she could obviously tell that you had something, but it must have felt like a relief or sweet relief to meet somebody like Tom who shared some of those musical sensibilities and got you. Absolutely, yeah. I mean... It's so just going back to your um, other point about destiny and that. It's like later on in life, and I feel like I had this naturally in a weird way. I've never tried to connect the dots in the future. I've always just gone with it. Got, if it feels right, if it feels fun, 
just go for it and then you go back and go oh that happened because of that mm. that's why oh that's why i met him oh that okay yeah there we go because like, life oh, often okay. well you're busy making plans life kind of intervenes and gets totally, in the way yeah. and i mean look at what it did for you so so when you you talk about destiny even those kind of late nights as a school kid playing those open mic nights there was something predestined around that because look at where it took you yeah exactly and you know what it, it would have i always say this as well like to kids on the voice kids i'm like if one teacher would have said to me, look, English, because I was staring out the window at English, you know, I was staring out the window going, I don't want to read this book. Uh, I want to go and play guitar. I want to go and write music. If one teacher, like in maths, I was staring out the window. In science, I was staring out the window. And if a teacher just said to me, look, English, you're going to be writing poetry pretty much every day. So in your head, if you think about how you want to do that, you might take in what we're doing today in the class. Science, they might say to me, Oh, I know this might not make sense now, but one day, if you want to be a music producer, you're going to, understand, you're going to have to understand waveforms, hertz, all this. And if a maths teacher said to me, look, man, if you want to build a studio, you're going to have to understand calculations of how sound travels and all this. That would have blown my mind. I'd have been like, oh, yeah, of course. Instead, it was just the standard. And, you know, it's, it's those things that make, a, I think, a bit of a difference to to kids is just getting their imagination going totally. to what they want to be instead of just forcing it if you know what i mean yeah this is that's really salient what you've just raised there by way of, of like bringing it to life and making it something that kids want to to work at yeah is exactly it, no? like what do you want to be if they don't know that's okay but try and make something if you want to be i don't know any like a, yeah a musician in, in english i'd go okay well you're going to want to write poetry so why don't we get you involved yeah. in the rhythms and you know and all this and wordplay yeah just wordplay and and it'll just ignite that in them i think you know earlier whereas i had to learn all that a bit later on on on, on your own steam as well yeah yeah which i had that luckily i had that in me i didn't give up and i went for it and i i really put got my head down and because i loved it and i always remember I think my mum or someone said to me that if, if you're good at anything, it might be my granddad, he said, there's always an audience for a master. Ah. And if you master something, no matter what it is, how big, how small, you know, there's an audience. Someone will like what you do. Ah. And I was like, that's, that's big. That's, a, pearl, me, that's, that's, that's big. a lovely little pearl of wisdom yeah. there, isn't it? Yeah. And they all stick, always stick in my head, those little things. What about outside of music? When else has Destiny played a hand? I mean, how did you and your wife end up coming together kind of the same <laughs> yeah destiny in a weird way like really? that, that energy of like yeah i see so many friends overthink certain situations especially relationships but like i remember um me and my wife we we um we met in this club in the daytime which was like a miss london event because she was at ex miss england and she was presenting it right she didn't like me she didn't because, no because i was heckling in the corner why were you heckling because I was just showing off with my mate. <laughs> How old are you? Uh, 21, 22. Okay, so this is, okay, you're young, you're a young yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Young guy. Had a couple of beers? In a band. Couple of, well, it was a daytime. I think we might have started, yeah. Maybe like 3 p.m. or something like that. So you heckled your wife. I was meant to be down there to judge the event. Right. Or something. Yeah, she, she was like, who is this idiot who's just like, what does he think, who does he think he is, you know? <laughs> and I'm obviously like obsessed already by georgia and then did you with the moment you saw her did she turn your head yeah she just had this like energy smile um beautiful smile. aura yeah just like oh, i want to be a part of that you know yeah it's quite nice and um yeah we we ended up 
not liking each other actually because I thought she was going to be like an ex or whatever I had. Um, and I was like, oh, it's in the same kind of, you know, vein, same world and all that. I was like, okay. So we got talking. She's like, oh, you're northern. I was like, yeah, I'm northern. She's like, oh, okay, cool. And then the club started by this point, you know, all this. And I was like, I can't really hear you. I just want to, I, I wish we were in a pub, you know, where we could chat. She's like, me too. And I was like, oh, do you want to go tomorrow? Let's go for a Sunday roast tomorrow. And she's like, okay, yeah. Um, got a number. That's so away. northern. Do you want to go for a roast? For a Sunday roast, right? <laughs> got a number. Went away. And uh, I said, oh, how about that roast today? And she was like, oh, I can't. She, she wouldn't do it. Why? She turned me down. Well, I think, I think. It's because she was hungover. But I think she was splitting up with her fella as well at the ah. time. Or she wasn't with, but still living. And blurred lines. Blurred lines. Anyway, she went traveling. And this was maybe, and I went tour in Brazil. And this was like 10 or 11 months later. Yeah, I, we gave, I gave up on her. I was like, right, okay, she doesn't want to, you know. So 10, 11 months later, I got back from Brazil. And she texted me saying, how about that Sunday roast? Or how about that drink? Did she? So I was like, I'll cancel Good those girl. two dates I had <laughs> for that you? evening. Yeah, I'll cancel those two. Um, you had two dates lined up in one no, night. No, I did. I had two dates in one week or something going on. That's yes. still quite punchy. I know, it's quite good, that was <laughs> it. Did, they didn't come along that often. It was like, oh, I've got to make the most of this week because I've got a week off, you know, I'll get two in. <laughs> but um, those, uh, yeah, those, um, everything So as soon as she got in stopped. touch, those other opportunities that paled into insignificance absolutely yeah i was yeah i was obsessed like you know i just went for it and um when we tell everyone it took us a year to get together they're like how but in a way it was like one of the best years ever because i got to be single for a year because i'd just come out of a relationship you know it kind of it was des it was meant to be you know i felt like i was ready for a relationship then and i remember Noel gallagher talking on radio and he's like man he's like he's like let yourself let yourself fall in love man you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, okay. Is that what we do? You know. <laughs> if Noel said it's all right, then I'll yeah, do if no it. Noel said it. Noel said it's all right for me to fall in love. <laughs> yeah, I remember him saying something like that. Like, we have these barriers as men. Just like, it's amazing. You know, I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's so, where um, songs come from, isn't it? I went for it. From the falling in love. Yeah, I went for it. We've been married, just celebrated our eighth, eighth year married. You've eighth anniversary. Little boy. Little boy, Cooper, yeah. yeah. Four and a half years old. How's that going? <laughs> amazing. Yeah, he's, he's at a good age now. It's a great age. I'm not going to lie. We found we found it difficult. We thought we'd be that family that would be in the middle of nowhere with loads of kids and a dog, but we're the opposite. We're like, I think I think one's enough for us at the minute, but yeah, it's um it's really like he's at an age now where I'm like, I'm laughing at him and we have the best time. We had a bike ride yesterday and he just had the best time. Oh. And you know, he's like my little mate now. So. Oh, it's joyous. Honestly, yeah. Danny, if I could go back and have a day with my son at the age of four again, I'd, <laughs> I'd probably give you one of my arms for it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I like how Destin has uh, played, played its hand for you. It's kind of given you your two great loves, right? Your wife and McFly. Yeah, I suppose it's been good to me, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been good. And, and that's kind of like the way, the way I think about stuff now. I'm just like... If I can't control it, why worry about it? And if it sounds like fun, let's do it. You know, because I, I had a massive bout of anxiety when I was 19, when my dad left and that. And then I think... Pot yeah, you're, I mean, that's a weird age, isn't it, right? Because you're an adult, except you're really not. It, with hindsight, you're not an adult. Yeah, I'm always a kid, aren't I? To, to, I'm always a kid to my dad. I'm and, always and a kid to my mum, you know. And yeah, even if you were in your 30s and your mum and dad split up, you'd still feel it in a way that... You probably, yeah, there, there is a childlike response to that. Yeah, it's tough. I feel sorry for any kid out there that mum and dad have split up and I just hope that the mum and dad have got a good, you know, adult 
you know, um, their responsibility, you know, is they chose to have the kids. So they've got to be adult about it and stay in touch and that. And it's hard. It's hard for a kid because you crave that and you miss it. But um, I feel like I've become way more of a man than I'd ever be, you know, before because I've learned a lot from it. Yeah. Um, I've achieved so much and it's made me hungrier and I'm not scared of stuff, you know. I've become stronger. Well, because it does feel like the sort of the, the rug has been pulled from underneath you when you think of your mum and dad as being ever thus and then they're not. Of course, yeah. Yeah. And then do you have a good relationship with your dad? I did do. I mean, I, I'm not not really since I was 19, no. Which is a shame because, you know, we were we were good pals, but, you know, when when I see my mum in so much pain and... Yeah, that's hard. You know, it, it, it was hard and, and uh, he just... Um, I wish I wish I knew what I knew now, to just you know have a have a chat with him, at the time, but I was a, I was a peacemaker, I was an absolute peacemaker. I was scared of emotion, you know. I was scared of talking real, real talk, and because um, I wanted everything to be perfect, you know. If they argued, I was like, no, quiet, yeah, you know all that stuff. And I think um, what I try and teach my my son now is that emotions are okay. You know, show me your emotion. I want to feel it. I want you to talk to me um, because that's the best way of solving anything. You know, and I'm still learning to this day. Like I'm still bad at talking. I'm like, I'm not sure how I feel today. I don't quite understand my emotion. It's hard. But just knowing that that's okay. That's a part of it. That's a part of it. That it's okay. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, like on Father's Day, I'm angry. But then that's getting in the way of me having... A good day. A with good time son. with my family and my son. But you are allowed to have all of those emotions sitting alongside each other because they're real and they're your lived experience. Of course, of course. You're, there's you're, sadness, there's anger, yeah. but it doesn't matter because I've got what I have now and I've got to appreciate what I have now. I can't control what I don't have. And know. actually, if you've learned anything from it, it's the kind of father you don't want to be. Exactly, yeah. Even though, you know, I idolised him, you know, I, I, I did, I, I idolised him. And my mum, they're, they're my first uh, people I look up to, aren't they? That's I think that's why grandparents are like, mm. you spend less time with them and you see them and you're like, oh my God, that's like their mum and dad's life first, you know? <laughs> so, you know, it's that thing of like, I think stability is massive for any any of us and as kids. And once that stability goes and you don't have that like home that's like the same, I think I was very quick to s get my stability. And my stability was Georgia. My stability was my house. It could be anything for you. It could be a job. It could be whatever. But, but I think anyone that. who's yeah, anyone who's feeling little, a little lost in the world. I think just finding your base, finding stability. I think that's why people go travelling to just find the stability in themselves. To find themselves. I don't know. But for me personally, my sanctuary is my home. I love it, and um, and my 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 family. It's where you drop your anchor, right? Exactly. So you know, having that, and I, and you build from that. And then you go step by step. There's a guy. Um, there's a guy on Instagram, and he goes. He was. He's got this amazing. Uh, I'll have to find his name. But he was uh, homeless on the streets. Um, you know, taking all sorts of drugs. He's done this book, and now he's got this uh, company called Sun Life Organics, and he's um, an amazing success. And his Instagram is. Uh, this is why I think like there's a real positive to like the internet, even though there's a lot of terrible oh stuff. God, there's a real, yeah. real positive, and I try and find that stuff. But he goes. 1% better every day. That's all we need to be. You know, we're not talking about 100%. Yeah. It goes right back to what you were saying, right? Understand your maths. Hey, there hey. we go. There's some maths for your kids. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? You don't, everyone expects, like, your best is good enough. 
yeah. that's what I always find like for me I have too I had I had high expectations of myself all the time but that's why too high yeah but that's how you are so driven and you don't do 20 years at the top of your game without being driven yes but it does it's get in the, the way it bear. does get in the way sometimes it really does, it does. I understand because then the brain takes over <laughs> yeah. especially like somewhere like soccer aid you yeah. know, and you're going, oh my God, this is, I dreamt of this as a kid. I've got to be amazing. I've got to score an absolute worldy overhead kick. You're, like, you're not going to do that, mate. Just get the ball and pass it. <laughs> be a team First. player. Yeah, exactly. Don't be a knob. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm there thinking I'm going to do a Ryan Giggs down the wing, take yeah. everyone on and like, mate, come on, there's Yap Stam and, you know, <laughs> yeah, Carvalho. Yeah. You're not going to get past them. Have a word with yourself. Have a word. Know your yeah. place in this back, you know. Exactly, yeah, exactly. I'd like to stick with the idea of some real talk and those big conversations with my next question. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You've dived into the MasterChef kitchen and you are losing yourself in the world of food at the moment. And I wanted to talk to you about some seminal meals, not so much about the food that you eat, but the company that you keep and the conversations that have unfolded at some of the most pertinent meals that you've shared across the years. And I, I was I was kind of inspired to ask you about this because I sat down and watched the documentary that you guys did um, at McFly talking about the difficult years that you'd had and Harry said that in Europe when you were out touring with McBusted it was time to say can we do McFly again and somebody had to take the lead on that conversation and you had a meal in Europe that I think either Harry or Tom said went on to become the beginning of the un the unraveling of your friendships but you had to fall apart to come back together again didn't you <laughs> I remember this meal. Um, it was one of those meals where you're coming in thinking, we all make our own stories up, right? Unless we have the story in front of us to read. We're, we're all coming to this table with our own version of what's happened. Yeah. Or what's going on. 
So we're obviously coming in with these stories and we're like, and Harry's really good at like, I think me, me, Tom and Dougie are not as great. I think we've got better, but at the time we weren't great at confrontation or we were, we were scared of hurting each other because we were such good friends. Mm. And I feel like that's, um, with any friends, it's hard to tell somebody the truth. It's, it's hard because, and, and there's a way to tell it. There is, and ultimately what you were trying to do is protect something that was precious to you all, right? Exactly. Not only a friendship, but a whole, you know, career. A business. And a band and a business. And I always say that, like, there's a couple of relationships, like, I wish I could say, before I say something to you, this is on a professional level. I don't mean this as a friend. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, I wish I could say that. Just yeah, to sign the that. consent form before I do it. There you again, go. Again, it's blurred lines again. Isn't it, it? it is, yeah. And I think we've learned that massively. But um, I remember at the end of the meal, yeah, because Harry's really good. I was just going back to Harry's point. He's, re he's really good at kind of getting up the um, elephant in the room, you know, and going, lads, are we, what do we feel about this band? Do we want to do it? Let's just get a question. So he was leading with all the tough questions. Right? Absolutely, yeah. And, and he's and, fair and, play and to him, you know. And symbolically, you'd ordered nachos, which is a sharing dish. Yeah. And apparently, yeah, there were four nachos <laughs> left at the end of it, right? Yes. And you ate your nacho, Tom ate his, Harry ate his. But the big break in all of this was that Dougie had had enough. He needed to step away for a while, and he wouldn't eat the nacho. <laughs> and you were all sat there silently thinking, Eat the eat, nacho! Eat the bloody nacho! <laughs> Nacho's the band. Are you in the band or you're at the yeah. band? Suddenly this this the nachos became the symbolic like <laughs> mo you know, like this thing of like, this is his yes or no, guys. This is him saying. Were yes you all or thinking no. that without saying it though? <sighs> in a yeah, weirdly, yeah, because we were all looking going, <laughs> why is he not eating it? It was it was a weird it was one of those moments that you just couldn't you can't explain. You can't explain it. Dougie had been through such a tough time and like as a, as a, as close as he was to me, I didn't understand what he was going through. Because you've you know? never struggled with addiction. No, and I remember like I remember his pain and 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 him being backstage, and I was like, mate, like I didn't, you know, Harry had to explain it a little bit more to me, and I've learned a lot from it. But like Harry's like the dad, isn't he? Yeah, Harry Harry's amazing because I feel like he's he's not scared of it. He's not scared of like not confrontation, but in a way of like, come on, guys, you know, like. It'll be okay if we talk about it, kind of thing. And it's like, oh yeah, okay. So he's almost like, he's almost like, not holding our hand through the process, but I feel like he does sometimes. I'm like, Harry, how do you say it without being offensive? Like, <laughs> okay, you say it. It's like our translator, because I'm very emotional when I, well, I was. I'm, I'm, I'm much better now. I, I can't react straight away. I have to take a minute, dissect it, come back and go. Because I always go away from an argument, or I always go away from conversation, going. Why didn't I say that? All it all makes sense now. Because in the moment, I get really claustrophobic. I get stuck. I get angry. I get all these emotions uh, overwhelmed that yeah. I can't speak any sense. But what you do is the best thing in the world. You call on it. You sit with it. You yeah. consider it. And then you come back with a considered response. That's much better than just going, assholes. Yeah. Well, that's what I used to do that. I used okay. to walk out and go, get out. Yeah, I'm done with this shit. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> the problem is now which I'm trying to get better at, is I go away, think about it, and I'm going, oh, I should have said that. Ah, it doesn't matter. Anyway, what's, what's tomorrow? What's happening tomorrow? And that's when I just forget. I'm, I don't want to bring it up again. Right. So that's the problem now. But we are better than ever now. I feel like we've just, you know, things need to, things need to stop for it to repair. Mm -hmm. Things need to just slow down. If you have an injury as a footballer, you go and, 
get it sorted and you rest. You don't play. And I think I feel like that's what we needed to do. We just needed to get our feet up and just rest and settle and appreciate but each other and appreciate what we yeah. had. But if you'd have sat around and said, that's what we're going to do, three out of four of you would have said, that's not what we want to do right now. So it was forcing you into a situation that you, none of you were really comfortable with, including Dougie, because he was taking himself off to Los Angeles to kind of have a look at himself. And yeah. actually, he went from bad to worse there and really struggled. And that must have been hard to watch a friend go through that. Yeah, it is. Like, Dougie's, Dougie's the same. Like, his... His dad left him when he was younger and he was a little bit different to his family. He was like the kind of like skater kid. And he was very young when he got in the band. Very young. Like thanks to him we have the Beatles record for Well, the let's talk about band, you know? we talk about destiny, right? Yeah, because yeah, because of his age you got yeah. the Beatles record. But his first audition was dreadful. And it was only because you were really struggling to fill that fourth spot that you asked him to come back. What's mad is Harry and Dougie were number one and two in this queue of the auditions under Universal Music at Covent Garden. Like, they were number one and two. Were they? Yes, number one and two. And they were chatting in the, in the queue. And Dougie kept... Or McFly. This is in response McFly. to the ad you placed in the NMA. Well, we, we hadn't... We, we weren't McFly yet. We didn't know how many band members we wanted. It was just me and Tom wanting to start a band who've written a few songs, who've got a deal lined up, ready to go. That's all we knew. Wow, it's a pretty good position to be in. You're pretty good position, right? Yeah. So I we mean, had, you know, had all these like amazing musicians turning up, and um, yeah, Dougie was puking in a bin with nerves. With I'd nerves. like to add, Is yeah. not because he was like no, wasted. with nerves. Yeah, <laughs> he was 15 at this point. Yeah. Lied about his age. He's a baby. Yeah, so he wasn't really meant to audition either because he was we wanted 16 plus, right? So number one and two, and he I remember him coming in, and I was like, mate, where he had like. I couldn't see. He had this fringe. I was like, where are your where are your eyes under there, mate? You know. And he comes. He's like, all right, all right, mate. Right, mate? You're right, mate. I was like, oh, where are you from? He's like, Basildon, Basildon, mate. I was like, okay, cool. And he was like a bit sketchy, and he was like, yeah, should I play the bass? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, cool. And he just stood there, and I remember he had Dickies, you know, skater shorts. He looked like he'd just come out of Blink One Eight Two, basically. You know, he's like Mark Hoppus, <laughs> and he stood there, and he just went straight his face. Like, didn't even smile, looked nervous, couldn't see his eyes, and he just went, dun 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 And it's one of those moments where me and Tom looked around and was like, when's he gonna stop? When does this stop? It's just a loop. It's been on for ages, It's like one of those moments in South Park where you're like, uh, okay. So what made you want to see him again? Because, it, I mean, the, the impression well, was not good as a first no, impression. We were, so what happened was he emailed going, oh, I'm so sorry, I was so nervous. Please can I come again, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I might be like, look, he's like, I like this kid. You know, he looks good. He plays well. I think we should give him a second shot, you know. And we're like, okay, yeah, I mean, I like, I like the dude. He looked cool. He looked like he fits in our bands, you know. And we want that kind of, like, skater rock vibe, you know, and... So we gave him a second chance, but by this time, we hadn't found a bass player. So we went right. through all the auditions. So he came, he literally skipped the queue and just came straight to the last four. I think he sent us a video of him on YouTube to give us another chance, you know, whatever. And we're like, yeah, okay, we'll give him a chance, we'll give him a chance. I think me, me and Tom split up and we had two drummers and two bass players. And we basically lived with them for a while to see who we got friendly with. And obviously we fell in love with Dougie and we fell in love with Harry. But I remember this so well. I was like, I was like, oh, so Doug, man, I'm like, what? You know, trying to get a conversation out of me. What star sign are you? 
And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> At this point, I didn't know. He was, he's lying about his age. Oh. So he didn't, couldn't answer. <laughs> I was like, I said to Tom, I was like, mate, isn't it weird to know his star sign? <laughs> I don't know when he was born. I was like so weirded out by it. But yeah, I realised later that he was lying about his age to do the audition, yeah. That's fantastic. But he did you a favour because without that, you would never have taken that record from the Beatles. There we go. Exactly, yeah. Just go with it. I didn't ask too many questions. Like, cool. <laughs> he doesn't know his birthday. Anyway, what do you want to do today? You know, it's one of those moments, yeah. Um, when we talk about seminal conversations over dinner are there any others that stand out to you those it could be your wedding breakfast it could be those awkward moments when you're trying to keep the peace at home with a warring mum and dad the most bizarre dinner i've ever had but incredible at the same time was we were recording over in atlanta with dallas austin dallas austin wow yeah just explain who dallas austin is right well yeah dallas so we dallas austin is one of the most legendary producers, producers of all time um He's known for TLC. TLC, Pink. Sugar Babes. Pink, uh, Pink, he told me an amazing story about Pink. She, she slept and begged him. She slept outside his studio for like three days straight and begged him to produce her album. Wow. And he ended up doing it. And that was her first album. Yeah. Yeah, so amazing, amazing stuff. And, and we were trying to get on radio at the time, play the radio game, and be like, how do we, how do we get on radio? Because at the minute, there's, no, there's not one guitar on radio. you know. So we're trying to play that. We're trying to be clever about it. Anyway, cut a long story short, we had the most amazing experience. Like, so you're in Atlanta at Dallas's studios or its house or at his studio, right? Which and is like I would imagine bougie, incredible, just like the most awesome place to hang out. You know, incredible paintings, discs everywhere, like so inspiring. And literally in the first couple of days of meeting him, and I always remember his laugh. <laughs> He's got his laugh like this. <laughs> And he starts laughing. I'm like, Dallas, what are you laughing at, man? Like, he's on his phone laughing. I'm like, Dallas, what are you laughing at, man? Like, and he found us hilarious, especially my accent. Yeah. He laughed at me straight away. And uh, he goes, um, <laughs> uh, you want to go to dinner with Elton John? And I went, what? He went, yeah, El Elton John wants to go to dinner. Do you want to go to dinner? And we're like, yeah, yeah, when? He's like, now. <laughs> and we're like, mate, we're just about to like write a song and record. He's like, yeah. But we're going, to have a, we're going to have a dinner with Elton John. All right, cool. So we went to this place, met Elton John, had dinner. Um, and it was this amazing steak I had, blah, blah, blah. And we got talking. And it's a very quick dinner. But what was amazing? So he goes, oh, McFly, yeah, yeah, I know you guys. You're doing great things. And at the time, Lady Gaga was becoming big. And I remember talking to him about Lady Gaga. And then he goes to us, do you want to come over to um, mine on, on, the, on Friday, I think it was, or Saturday, and, and have dinner? And we were like, yeah, yeah okay. He's got a this big is, place in Atlanta, This is right? This is Alan John, yeah. yeah. So we were like, yeah, okay. So me and the boys like, mate, we just got invited to Elton John's apartment <laughs> in Atlanta for dinner. What the? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, we got like two days. We're like, right, what are you going to wear? What are you going to wear? What are we doing? You know what I mean? All this stuff. We were so nervous. Honestly, so nervous. It's one of those dinners where, you know, like you're just necking wine because you don't know what to do. <laughs> So we set, we go there, we turn up, and um, we go get up, get up to um, Elton John's uh, apartment, and he answers the door in his um, most unbelievable Adidas tracksuit, like full on matching, and he just takes us for a tour instantly, takes us for a tour around his apartment, and all of his collections and his artwork is incredible. It's like a museum. It's incredible. And then we sit down to this, on this, you know, unbelievable, like round white 
awesome Michelin star style kind of table. And there's waiters and, and a chef and that, and we're drinking wine, we're chatting music. There's people that I've never met before in my life that are multi-award winning songwriters and business owners and all this, and I'm just having the best time ever. So when you mix that energy with food and music oh. and, and that experience of like, but there's Elton John and I'm eating, it's just, it's mad. Like music can take you to some mad places and that's one of the, you know, places where I was like, this but is you've crazy. You've got all the ingredients for the perfect night there, right? Yeah. So it, it's about food almost being just kind of a part and parcel of the experience, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, like I was always a fussy eater as a kid. And I think like traveling and moments like that where I'm just pressured into trying something. Like I'm not going to say, no, I don't like, like, I don't know, the starter of prawns or whatever, Elton John. I'm just going to eat it because you just do. Of course I you don't do. want him to go, oh, you don't like him? Okay, you're not coming again. You know what I mean? <laughs> Get out if you don't like prawns, you know what I mean? So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll just have it. I'll just eat it. And suddenly I'm like, whoa, what are these? The most amazing prawns, prawns. I've ever had. Yeah, garlic prawns. Come Bringing on. your mum. Mum, I've had prawns. <laughs> yeah, mum, I've had prawns. Never had pizza until I went down to London. Yeah. How mad is that? And now look at you, master I chef. I mean, I've learned a lot, yeah. Have you? Obviously, yeah. we can't say how you did. No. But we were talking before we started recording about you were like, how many chefs you had on the podcast? You, yeah. s I, I can see you're having like a fan moment with food, aren't you? And yeah. The people that kind of sit at the top of the pile in terms of the chef world. Okay, so yeah. So the reason I did this show is because I was a fan of it. And I and for the first time in a long time, I, I had the time to do it. There's a couple of things here that why food is massive for me. First of all, cooking now just mindfulness like I love it it's the only thing it's why I love my football it's why I love my golf it's why I love music those three things for me is the only time I ever concentrate on just doing that thing yeah just doing one thing just doing that thing mm. don't get over and I like the preparation mm. and I like the you know I enjoy it and I enjoy attaching the smells to an experience to a bit of music <clears throat> a bit of wine I love that. Like, mm. For me, it's like, I don't know, it just f fills you with happiness. Yeah, it's joyous. Yeah, it's absolutely joyous. And um, I like the reaction when you cook for somebody, you know. Mm. And uh, I've always wanted to be good at cooking, you know. And I was a massive fan of MasterChef. I used to watch it all the time. Even the Australian one now I watch, you know, I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely love it. So when you walk onto the set on the first day and Greg and John are there, what were you like? Oh, uh, honestly, well... In the in the um, advert, there's a clip of me going, just so you know, mate, I love you too. And then Faye's <laughs> going, all right, stop trying to get brownie points. You know what I mean? I'm like, no, genuinely, I'm like, I'm a fan. Come on. You were you know quite I mean? impressed when I said that we've had both of them on the show. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, when, you, when you're a fan of someone, it's so good to meet meet the person or meet the people and be in the the room. It's quite an overwhelming experience. But... um. I can only describe it as like when when I when I produce music, the best thing that you could, when producing any music, nothing's gonna replace your ears. Nothing's gonna try and like recreate what you can hear. And learning your ears is mastering production. And I feel like it's the same with your palate with mm. food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like your palate is personal to you, and when you understand it and you learn about it and why why heat does what heat does and why acids do what acids do and why what the fat's there for you know and the flavors you that deconstructed it yeah yeah loving and like the deconstruction and learning that like put it this way i never used to have chili on anything before master chef and now i have it on pretty much everything even on your like, prawns i even on my prawns <laughs> i stuck it in a burger the other day you know what i mean so for me like it's just 
cooking for friends at the minute is really joyous because I can cook for them now. And and you know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing, yeah. You're a master. <laughs> Not yet, but As, kind of, yeah. Well, are you? I don't know. You're master chef. <laughs> That's what your granddad said. I suppose I've been on master chef, so yeah. I could be, you know. Getting closer to the <laughs> Okay, you ready for your last question? Yes. My goodness, can you believe that you guys are almost heading towards sort of 20 years of filling fields and audiences all over the world? I know. You came out of the traps hard and fast, straight in at number one. There's beautiful footage that I saw online of you all celebrating your first number one. You look like you'd literally just got your A-level results. <laughs> um, you were 18 um, with your first debut number one album. At 19, you won your first Brit. I mean, those first years were intense and crazy. And yet here you are having this sort of second act via an interlude with Muck Busted. And I wanted to talk about second acts really, or looking back at some of those early days and thinking about the moments that you'd like to go back and revisit with a little bit of age and wisdom under your belt. So you could reappreciate them or re-experience them with a different lens. What would those moments be? Because I mean, for example, like when you look at Glastonbury, you waited 19 years to play Glastonbury. Do you think you could have, experienced it in the same way 19 years ago probably not no you're right absolutely not i don't think we appreciate being number one for two weeks or what it meant i don't i, I just think i know if you're number one for two weeks now i mean mate, literally i'd be wearing a t-shirt outside you know i'd have one of them signs above going yeah that's me who's number one for two <laughs> weeks just nice to meet you <laughs> yeah, it's like, me. yeah it's me like you don't appreciate it and and it, actually it's not that we didn't appreciate it. I, I, I actually think we didn't understand it all we wanted to do was go home and hang out as a band and eat pizza and play Project Gotham. You all lived you in know. a house together at the time. Yeah. Project Gotham. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, the only reason why I went home is because Dougie was too young to go out drinking, so we just drank at home and had parties. <laughs> but, like, we, d we just wanted to be in a band and be like, yeah. I mean, and those I moments, that first number one, to experience that now as a 36-year-old man with all this, this experience behind you, how different would it be? Massively different, you know. I think COVID was, you know, taught us a lot as well. When 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 you have something that's taken away from you, yeah, you realise, oh, okay, freedom. Okay, yeah, like this is. Um, I didn't know I loved it this much, and I and travel I, like travel. When you, when you take, I mean, you guys travelled. You you've been all over the world. I didn't think I would ever see as much of the world as I have coming from where I'm from. People didn't travel like this. It teaches you so much. And then when that's taken away from you, I mean... Absolutely. And also, I think when you travel at 19, 20, you're not drinking it in in the same way that you do now. No, but you, you d but in a way, it, it has... Travel had a massive, massive impact on me. Mm. Massive. Me I'll never forget when, when I, I, was in, I, was in New I, I was in New Orleans... Actually, no, I was in Africa first doing Comic Relief and we released All About You and got a school bill or whatever in, in Uganda for these kids. I remember that. And I'm that. meeting them all and it was... I'm in the video was, for All the About video, You. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I went to Uganda as well it that was, year. Did you really? Yeah. And it was the most... Yeah. Grounding, unbelievable, as you know, as a 19, 20-year-old. Like, had so much impact on me. Mm. From there... We went to New Orleans and filmed in Hollywood with, you know, Lindsay Lohan. And while all this is happening, I get a call from my sister saying, Dad's gone. So in a way, it, that Africa trip was like, ah, oh, 
it made me so much stronger and realized like this ain't a big like this ain't a big deal like it shouldn't be a big deal like my dad's going okay that's fine because i've just seen kids that are starving yeah. in africa and Spectrum. kids that have no mum and dads and mm -hmm. kids that are looking after their kids because of you know whatever's gone on and i think that just things like that where it just okay i've seen it now i've witnessed it i'll take that with me and it makes me stronger and just doing what we did for those kids a little bit of help um i remember the impact it had on you actually because we all recorded the video in one day there were lots of tips. I mean, I was—I filmed my parts with Graham Norton. <laughs> yeah. What was the what's the name of the studios? Is it Air, Air Studios? Air Studios, yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. it? So we all Ruby Wax up. was there, do you remember? Yeah, Ruby Wax. I was really scared of her. She just <laughs> sort of growled at me. I was like, yes, whatever you yeah. say. But I'd been to Uganda and you'd been to Uganda. Mm -hmm. And I think you had to go there to see on the ground the work that was being done. Mm -hmm. And then when you realise that, and then obviously just travelling anywhere in the world, like on a, on a, on a food level, like that's how, how I got into food. Yeah. Travelling, going to Japan. Trying teppanyaki, trying the sushi, trying all of that. Ah, amazing. Experiencing it all. It's an I, education, isn't it? It is. And, and that's where you have that attachment of a memory to a bit of food. And every time you visit, revisit that food, you have that happy Sensory. memory attached to it. And I think that's important for a lot of people. Like, one, for me especially, like, I still do that to this day. Like, I will attach a smell to a good memory. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like if you're having a bad day or whatever, or just... Even not just a normal day, you smell that smell. Like today, I'm wearing the scent where well, I got married in. Ah. I worn it for a while. I thought, oh, I'll have a bit of that. And just, yeah, there we go. Ah. It just makes you, it's just a nice little thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like food and wine and those small things mm. we m probably take for granted sometimes are big for me. If you had to go back and evoke memories of, for example, Glastonbury, which I know is yeah. still very much fresh in your mind, where I think, you know, when they put you on, it was you were on the Avalon stage. I don't know. We were on. We we're on a small stage. Yeah, like for Glastow. They, the organisers had, I think, maybe underestimated your pull because they had to close the field. That doesn't happen yeah. normally. I know. I and it was. I mean, the pictures are amazing. So when when you know what what are the senses, the senses of, of smell, taste, experience that will take you back to that gig? Because that must have been a bit of a milestone minute for you. Yeah, where do I start? I took my son and I took my uh. wife. I had to, even if it was just for me, just to say that they were there the first time I played Glastonbury. We got there about three hours before, just had a little walk around. And then these girls came up to us and was like, oh my God, you guys are playing later on. We on this, um, we're doing the best raps in Glastonbury. Do you want one? I was like, yeah, yeah, well, I'll have one. Yeah, okay, cool. About 45, 50 minutes later, it was on the other side of the field. These girls went all the way to the side of the field and got us these wraps. These duck wraps were the most incredible wraps I have ever had. <laughs> really? I was like, this is amazing. The sun was shining. <laughs> Suddenly I don't feel like so nervous anymore. Like, this is amazing. My son's running around. Come on, Glasgow. Wife's there, field is full. Yeah, I'm drinking Life's water good. out of a can. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, like, it felt, it felt really good. And then it was just such a nice afternoon because I've never been and I didn't understand what it was like to go to Glastonbury and I get the feeling of it now and like everyone's really chilled and got ready for the show and still a little bit nervous of like who's going to turn up because as soon as anybody we we believe in ourselves so much like I feel like we are one of the best live bands that we could ever be or if nobody's seen us live 
They need to come to understand it. They need to. It's like Springsteen. If you don't get Springsteen, go and see him live and you'll get it. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying we're as good as Springsteen, but no, you, listen, d- you need to you get you guys live. You are energy. Go for it, right? Ne- your next level. Yeah. So Green Day are, you know, a massive inspiration for us as a band. Like, that's our common ground. Like, Green Day. Like, the way they play, the musicianship mm-hmm. involved, but the performance. Because it's hard to run around and play quality. Like, play at the same, you know, try... Yeah, not let it t- be to the detriment exactly, of the Exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, you can ask any gu- any guitarist to jump up and down and try and play, you know, uh, a guitar really well, and it's really difficult. So we've mastered that. There you go. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> so you, but but still, as soon as, as soon as, like, a promoter goes, oh, you know, I think you should play the small set. I don't know what it's going to be like. You go, suddenly you're back to, like, where, where, you know, the beginning. You're like, okay... Is you know we we need to you know let's 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 prep ourselves let's get in the right frame of mind what you're wearing let's get our clothes right I want to feel good you know I don't want to be too like sweaty up there. Did you overthink Glastonbury? Do you think in the, in in advance? Yes. Of it? Well, not normally I would have, but as as a an older man now who's been through a lot of overthinking, I can I can slow it down. I'd rather it be the way it was because if we'd have played a massive stage and no one turned up. It would have been bad, but the way it happened was absolutely perfect. Well, I only was aware of it because of, of people that I follow on social media. I didn't go to Glastonbury this year, but it was all over my timeline. And I just thought, oh, do you know what? It couldn't happen to four nicer guys, really. I loved that there was such a buzz oh, and that you, you so had over delivered on every level. <laughs> that you found new audience, I think, that day. People that were like, yeah, bloody love McFly. Yeah, I think we've been craving that a long time. I feel like we fit in a slot that's a real difficult slot of like pop, but we function like, we function like Iron Maiden. Yeah. We have techs, <laughs> we have guitar amps, we are sweaty on stage, we give it everything. You know, it's the two extremes, but we still want to go on radio. We still want to be commercial. You know, and that's like, we're surrounded by all of that. And yeah, but you are, you do it. You know, and we, 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 we're right in the middle of that. And, you know, we're not, I think we're at the age now, though, where, you know, I'm seeing kids on parents' shoulders and I'm seeing boyfriends come with their girlfriends. Yeah. I'm seeing, dude, a dude came to a signing, like, a couple of years ago with a Metallica T-shirt on. Like, what's that about? I said, like, what, you like, that? we like Metallica. Like, we get influenced. <laughs> you never believe it. One of our songs, this album, is influenced by Metallica. Like, you get it, bro. Yeah, you get it. I know we pop, but you get it. You know, so it's like, the more people that see us, um, the more the more time we're around, you know, people are getting it. I feel like we're peaking again. I really do. I feel like we just, I think we're loving are. it more than ever. You know, we're giving it more than ever. We understand what we are. Second act moment. Yeah. We understand who we are as individuals. I think that's massive because then you bring your best to what your band is and you we understand what the band is now. Yeah. I'll never forget we had a board like this on, on the album. You value it more as well, don't you? Absolutely value it more. We appreciate it more. Yeah, go on. What was on your whiteboard? So we had a whiteboard like this and it's one of the best things we ever did. What is McFly? This is the board of identity. Nice. And we had on it, you know, energy, fun, um, honest, but not too serious. But all these things that summed up the personality of McFly. And we all looked at it and we were like, oh, I get it now. It's your ingredients, board. I get it. Exactly. It was the ingredients to it. And so, I don't know why we've never done that before. We were like, oh, I get it now. The fact that we're still relevant, the fact that we're still making music, the fact that I'm still in a band, the fact that I get to do what I love every day still, and then manage to fit in MasterChef and The Voice Kids and all this, like, 
yeah, I'm uh, I'm super proud of that. Absolutely, like you should be super proud of everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah to be it's amazing. I'm so lucky. Yeah, I'm very with lucky. All of that under your belt, but so much more in front of you because you guys are smart, you're clever. I mean, one of the smartest things I think I heard you say was you all went for group therapy. You learned, yeah. you learned to communicate with each other. Yeah, communication is key in, in any relationship. Because being in a band is just like any relationship. You know? oh, it's like a weird marriage. It is. No sex. I mean, I, I yeah. say that. I hope not. Uh, <laughs> you never know. But all of the other complexities <laughs> apply. <laughs> Yeah, sexless marriage. That's what it is. It's a sexless marriage. You can go back, put that on your whiteboard. <laughs> yeah, sexless marriage. I'll go right at the top. <laughs> it's that's a great it name is. for a spin-off band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if that's if that pops up on Spotify anytime soon, you know who it is. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Danny, thank you so much. I have a feeling oh. that you'll be in the MasterChef kitchen for a few weeks to come. Oh, thank you. I can't imagine that you're going to be so one of the much. first out. Don't forget, you can catch Danny from the 10th of August on BBC One and on BBC iPlayer. And if you've enjoyed our chat about food, we've got plenty of chefs in the back catalogue. We've got Tom Kerridge, who we've talked about. Uh, Greg Wallace is in there, Lisa Faulkner, John Tarode. James Martin, Simon Rimmer, and if music's more your thing, Gary Barlow's there alongside Hanson, Bananarama, All Saints, James Morrison, Charlene Spiteri, Lisa Stansfield, and so many more. I mean, that's quite a back catalogue, isn't that, it? That's that's a great list. I know. Lisa Stansfield. I know. What? I know. What a ledge. She is such a ledge. It's a great episode, actually. Wow. Yeah. You can download it wherever you I get your will, podcast, yeah. Danny. <laughs> that's amazing. I love a podcast. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, my thanks to you, as always, for your company and to Ben Robbins and the Yahoo Studios team who produced the show with me. Editing is by Andy Agson. And our music comes courtesy of, guess who's done the music for this podcast, Danny? Go on, I can't. Go on. Andy Bell. Oh, yes. The drummer of uh, Razorlight. No. No. Oasis. Andy Bell from Oasis. Oh my and God, Rise. I didn't get that. Why did I say raise a light? He said to leave the stage what in shame. Longer. <laughs> do that. That's made my palms sweat. I can't believe it. In those I thought you were going to go what from Erasure. Oh my God, I've seen a band from Erasure. Yeah. Oh my God. That's made my palms sweat. But. Oh my God, that's made my palms sweat. That's yeah. the best oh, ending to that. a show ever. I can't believe that. Ah. Oh. That's sick. I know. That is sick. I know. That's my mic drop moment. Out of here. Mic drop moment. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 